What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 31, I believe, of uh, One Before I Die. Uh, often, often I introduce these, you know, these episodes with... Shout out Jerry's Bird. Shout out Jerry's Bird, yep. Oh, yeah, I forgot I wasn't going to do jersey numbers. Well, there's not many 31s. It's like the only guy I know, I feel like, from Sabres or Bills. Jerry's Bird. Um... I was thinking about it. That was the one that came to mind. All right, well, yeah, shout out Bird then, I guess. But I was gonna, what I was going to say is I usually introduce these episodes uh, every once in a while. Um, you know, when the teams aren't playing well, I, you know, I'll say, hey, and by the looks of it, we might not get one before I die by the way the team's playing. Well, you know, this episode, it's a little bit different because we haven't had Buffalo sports, but we might. what I'm going to say now is we might not get the opportunity to get one because of good old COVID-19. That's been hot in the streets lately, obviously, as, as you guys know. That's pretty much what's going on in the world is coronavirus. Um, and, I mean, last episode, what, you know, we didn't even bring it up because, you know, at least personally, it wasn't um, – well, I guess, you know, it wasn't as big as it, it – it's escalated in a week. Um, we didn't feel the need to even talk about it, I feel like. And, I mean, obviously, it's just put a huge halt on the sports world, uh, the real world, the work world, schools, everything. Coronavirus has been an absolute gong show. Um, Ethan, give me your give me your takes on coronavirus. I mean, this is this is insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely something like you. I think you framed it well. Is that it was not something that was on our radar last week. Um, something that was just being tossed around in the news. And I don't know, personally, I thought maybe it was going to blow over. You know, it wouldn't be as big deal as it is. This is a type of thing where it's escalated so fast, where every, it seems like every 10 minutes we hear something else being canceled, another regulation being passed on, hear about how many more people have been um, getting the disease. Um, And you, you hear all about, you know, the social distancing, you hear all these terms being thrown out now. And it's, kind of put the world on lockdown uh i mean as of today i don't know if you saw but the city of san francisco is going on a complete three-week lockdown i don't know what that means i'm guessing it means it's like probably like what what italy's been doing right right i'm guessing it's some sort of mandated stay in your house only like grocery stores and doctor's office and like medical professionals will stay open um that's probably that's probably coming honestly for the rest of the nation pretty soon is my- I was, I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's going to stop there. I know personally, you know, in Chicago, I'd say, you know, the, the vast majority of working professionals right now are 
either working from home or off work. All bars and restaurants in Chicago are closed until March 30th. And that would be the um, earliest they could open would be the first of April, which I doubt is probably going to happen again. All of that's open there is their kitchens for takeout and delivery. Um, and in New York, uh, I saw, you know, they're basically doing the same thing for the next three weeks. So, I mean, I think it's just going to start spreading here. We know, like you mentioned, schools are closed for the long majority. I was seeing tweets, if we get back to related to sports, I was seeing some tweets today that were saying, we might not have a 2020 MLB season. Like, the next season that, that the MLB plays might be next year, 2021, which would be crazy. Um, I was seeing tweets where this lockdown status that we might get to in the next coming days – could last anywhere up to July, August, which would be insane. Because if you want to talk about when we're going to see another sport being played on national TV, it's not. This isn't the type of thing I think where it's like Trump declares the virus is gone and then the next day they're playing. You know, league's got to ramp back up. There's got to be some sort of ramp up time, right? Like if if Trump declared that we're finally over the hill on the virus and that things can start resuming again, you know spring training would need to happen, right? If the MLB players are going to start playing again, they need to get back in the groove. You know, I'm just hoping, you know, this might sound sad. I've lost all hope on NHL resuming NBA playoffs, which I really could care less about. I mean, I like watching, you know, conference finals and the finals, but that's like the least of my worries and the MLB, which I do enjoy watching the Mets. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm just not even, those aren't even my radar anymore. I'm just saying, let's make sure that this doesn't affect NFL season because that's I think you know if this gets into August we start missing preseason games you know that's that's going to be a real downer because like I said NFL is not the kind of sport where you can just start up the week after there's a lot of time and preparation you need these players need to be able to get their bodies right they need to have like the mandated number of hours together um, before you can start the season up so I just really hoping that we can get over this virus and and have a fresh start with uh, the NFL season hopefully that doesn't affect it. Yeah, and then also not to mention, you know, March Madness canceled too. You forgot to mention that one. That one's just not even obviously going to come back anytime soon. That one, we're just going to wait till the next year's tournament. So that's a huge blow. I mean, that's one of the best times of the years, as you know, both you and I love, and a lot of sports fans do. And then, you know, not just in the sports world with the NHL, basketball, like you mentioned, um, you know, both NHL and AHL on pause. Like you said, probably a good, you know, likeliness that those won't, you know, ever happen if they. Well, if you're bringing up the AHL, they actually announced today that they're canceling the season, so that's not even coming oh, back. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so I didn't that see was that. breaking news today. So AHL is gonzo, um, and then also just you know, outside the sports world, we got you know colleges, kids being sent home, um, you know. These kids are, you know, some of athletes that are getting their, you know, seasons cut short. I know that spring athletes did get, you know, another year of eligibility, but who knows what these kids are doing in the next year if they're not planning on playing sports, which, you know, that just sucks for them. Um, I mean, movies are being put on pause, being, you know, delayed. I saw a picture today on, on social media of Times Square where there was not a single soul in the picture. I mean, that's that's a crazy scene. I mean, you know, New York City's always popping with people, especially Times Square area, and to see no one there, everybody just inside their houses is crazy. Um, and then, you know, we both allude to the fact that how fast it kind of came on, and I kind of made a video on Twitter earlier today talking about it, that like two weeks ago, um, you know, I mean, we have to kind of, you know, like let's not act like we pretty much Americans, I guess, and, you know, myself and other people didn't really, you know, weren't really paying attention to it too much. Um, 
maybe as much as we should have been. You know, it was kind of more overseas than it was over here yet. And this was only two weeks ago. And then I would even say, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but a week ago from today, we're uh, recording this on Monday. Like, you know, the well, first of all, what I want to say is this past Wednesday is kind of when everything started going down because that's when the NBA got canceled. The next day is when March Madness and hockey all got postponed or canceled, whatever. Wednesday feels like it was like 10,000 years ago. Like the fact that yeah. we're talking about this now like, I feel like we've gone through a whirlwind of news that's worthy of, like, 10 years within, like, a five-day span. And what I, the point I was trying to get to is that a week ago from today, Monday, I would have thought, you know, it was pretty a crazy idea for the tournament to be canceled. And then, obviously, three days later, it gets canceled, and it wasn't crazy at all. But just a week ago today, I, I was thinking there's no way the March Madness NCAA tournament's going to be canceled. Now, just one week later, it's crazy to think, you know, back that – if you were thinking it wasn't going to be canceled, you, you were crazy. So, like, it's just that's how fast it escalated. Um, I, I made the reference to that. It was kind of like the 2014 San Francisco Giants when they won the World Series. Um, it's like, it's like a, it reminded me almost like coronavirus is like this sports team that's kind of just, like, hanging around throughout the regular season. You don't really, like, you know, pay attention to it too much, and then somehow they sneak in the wild card. The playoffs come and bang. They go on a huge run all of a sudden. This past week was that huge run where they just wiped out everything. I mean, that was the Giants in 2014. They snuck in the wild card and then just pretty much swept every every team on the way to the World Series. Um, I think they won the World Series in seven games, but before that, they only lost, like, one game per series. I mean, it literally came out that fast. But, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. Um, I mean, no sports on TV has been just a travesty. I haven't been, like, known what to do with the free time. You come home expecting, you know – well, first of all, the tournaments for March Madness, even before the big one, just the conference tournaments. Those yeah, that was just so a travesty. That was just like dominoes. Like just seeing on Twitter, like John Rossing tweeting out, all right, this is officially canceled. This is officially canceled. Just bang, every major conference tournament, one after another. And then you realize inevitably that they're all going to be canceled. Right. Um, so that, you know, it happens that week. And then, you know, Selection Sunday is supposed to be this past Sunday. The tournament's supposed to be coming up right now. Um, and then, like you said, like, you just feel like there's no really foreseeable future for like the NHL to kind of finish their season, which is wild. I mean, this is something you're going to be looking back at for the rest of our lives being like, remember when like those seasons just never finished. Um, so it's, it's been crazy, but, um, well, we could get into what I wanted to talk about what, when we can, the segue, you know, saying your season never finishes, um, what we saw on Twitter the other day where I know I saw some media outlets in the NHL talking about uh, hypothetical possibilities of how this NHL season could resume and kind of end. Obviously there's still a good chunk of regular season games that um, need to be played. And then the playoffs, if where we left from where we left off. So it seems like the league's going to have to get creative if by some miracle and by some miracle, I'm saying, I think the earliest that we, we could see another NHL game would probably be June is what I'm guessing. So if by some miracle that happens and <clears throat> the NHL gets called back on, you know, I think that the league's trying to be prepared as to how they're going to finish the season and they're going to have to do something creative uh, because there just isn't enough time for them to finish all the regular season and then go to the playoffs like they normally do. So the one thing that I saw that was floating around for a while is that the league's kind of exploring like a 24 team tournament where they kind of combine the playoffs and the rest of the regular season into a 24 team tournament, which is a larger uh, field than the normal playoffs. So basically what adds a, th a third, eight more teams into the mix that were originally in the mix. 
Um, and it kind of meshes both conferences into one big March Madness style tournament. The one thing that I found hilarious is that that is the route they choose. The Sabres are currently 25th in the NHL and would miss out on a 2014 playoff. And if that doesn't say anything about the state of this franchise, right? They haven't made the playoffs in, what, 11 years now? Or is it 10 years? Nine years? Whatever. 10 years, I think it is. That the the opportunity for them to make the playoffs is it comes to, you know, to fruition here. And you have to be the, one of the 24 best teams in the league. And you don't make the playoffs after nine previous years of missing the playoffs straight up. I think that's kind of hilarious. Yeah, I mean that's a bad, that's just a bad luck, honestly. Um, I don't. I I did see that like theory, or you know, as well as that maybe something could happen. I'm not sure if it was actual league sources or it was just you know fans or people online speculating. No, I don't think it was anything official. It was like a TSN article or something. Yeah. Or a TSN writer. Yeah, but yeah, that's just brutal. That. <laughs> that's literally the the team off i don't know if i'd want to make the playoffs back that way but nonetheless it's still embarrassing um, no but you're lying to yourself if you're not excited for when the season comes back and the sabers now all, some miraculous shot have a chance on the Stanley Cup. 100 percent, yeah i mean i th- I think i saw that like those last eight teams would be like a kind of like a one game playoff then you know if they won that one game they'd move on to the best of five or whatever um i also saw some other options that you know is it more important to just hop right into the playoffs like that? Or do you think it would be more important? Like I saw people talking about if, it, if it's more important to make sure you finish out the regular season games because, you know, there's some, te- and then stick with the same amount of teams in playoffs, but it's important to get these, you know, games in um, and then just shorten the series, you know, instead of going like best of sevens, you do best of no, five or best of three. I disagree with that. Um, why is that? I just think when when it boils down to it, you need a seven game series for these play for the for NHL specifically. There's just too many teams that are close, and I think that you need to give each team a shot to be at home um, three times. I think. Well, the thing the thing I was saying is why that was an option though is because like you're saying you you need to give these teams a chance. Well, at the same time you can make the argument you need to give these teams a chance that are on the bubble to make the playoffs though. So. Yeah, so I, that's why I think a 2014 tournament might be the the move there because you give you give all the bubble teams a shot now, right? But yeah, then you make it that much harder. You make it that much harder to get in. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I think I don't know. It's just some whole mess to begin with. I just I just don't think like I don't I don't think it's an option for them to finish out the regular season because there's like close to 20 games. I think 15 to 20 games most teams had to play. To like 10 to 12. Out. 10 to 12. Well, that's still like a month though. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, there's a ton of, the, the thing is, it's just, there's a ton of, you know, bubble teams, like, within one point, within, um, you know, have a, have a couple less games played or so, and then if I you, don't know, and then I just, well, I just, sorry to interrupt, but I just think it's a tough sell for you to, to make, like, the 31st team, the Red Wings, right, who are eliminated from the playoffs, get back and play 10 to 12 meaningless hockey games in, in June and July, because that's what no, that's would happen. A, yeah, no, that's definitely a fair point. It was just more for those bubble teams that, you know, because if you the, – the thing is, if you don't do the 24, you know, team playoff, which, which like, personally, like, I don't know if – I don't know if I like that or not. I mean, it does definitely make it interesting. But at the same time, it is those, you know, those games at the bottom eight teams. It's just a one-game playoff, I guess, is what the option would be, which I don't know if that's really worth it or not. Um, but the, the teams that are on the bubble there, they have – you know, some teams have games in hand. Um, I don't know. There's, it's just so close that you want. Where, where I could see it not being worth it is 
for a bubble team that has to play a team like the Sabres in a one-game playoff and lose a one game to the Sabres, then their playoff hopes are done. That's where I could see if I was a bubble team, that's where I would hate this. But for if I'm if I'm the Sabres, I'm obviously loving this. The way that I would do it though is that if you wherever the uh, season ended, if you're I see what you're saying now by when you're talking about games in hand, but I would say that if you were in a playoff spot when they paused you automatically get part of that playoff spot. And when they expand to the 2014 tournament, those eight teams, like you're not playing – if you're in a playoff spot now, you're fine. You don't have to play a one-game play. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. But that, Yeah, but I guess that's, that was the other point I was going to bring up, that like if you just end it now, it's like, all right, these teams are in the playoffs and we're going with this. Is the It's so close with the games in hand. And then you couldn't really do like points by percentage or whatever. Like it's so hard to break it down that way because then if you play in one less game and but you're only, you know, one point off, then it's like hard to just let those eight teams in. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So, um, sorry, I was muted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then anyway, um, but yeah. And then NBA, like you said, I could really care less about that. I mean, it's still tragic. Don't get me wrong. Like, freaking Rudy Gobert he's like rubbing his hands all over the microphones and stuff and then he's the one like j- making a joke about it and then he's the one guy who has in the NBA I don't really care about the actual you know that league because I don't really follow it but that's still like, just a crazy thing that that pause as well um but yeah uh should we move on to more like like Buffalo related sports stuff um yeah I think we pretty much covered everything here yeah regarding so, the coronavirus yeah just I mean just Stay safe, obviously. Stay inside. Don't freaking go spreading it around because the faster it's done, the more sports we can get back, and hopefully we can cut this thing in the you know right in the bud and, and move on with it. But with that being said, let's move on to some more sports-related news. The you know the most that we can get out of it the past couple of weeks has been obviously not a lot of sports, but we've had a little bit to talk about. And I think the main thing is actually not really Sabres-related. Um, the one thing that's kind of saved us was today, yesterday, as you're listening to this Monday, and NFL free agency started. Um, but before we even get there, the Bills made a couple of moves kind of before free agency really officially opened. And let's talk about those real quick. So the first one was Josh Norman. This kind of came out of nowhere. Um, at least in my eyes, I didn't, I didn't see this coming at all. I think I woke up to in the morning from a text from you seeing that Josh Norman was signed by the Bills, a one-year deal worth about $6 million. I don't know the exact contract breakdown. You know, that's what a lot of people like doing. That's not me. I just kind of see the one, one year for six mil. Everybody loves that now. I know. I don't, that's about my pay grade. I don't look at that. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not good at the one, the one sport, you know, in NHL, I can look at, the contract breakdown, the salary cap, and it's in the NHL is very easy because the you know the players aren't getting paid that much. The caps at like eighty five million or whatever, and it seems all to make sense to me when it goes to other sports like baseball, football. The contracts honestly are so hard to understand. Well, baseball is just so hard to understand because there is no cap. So you, I mean, right. a guy could get paid theoretically a billion dollars a year, right? I mean, you don't. You, there's just That's no way to like understand those. Yeah, but and then anyway. when it goes to basketball, I don't. You, I feel like it's hard to understand those because even though there is a cap, you have like twelve guys on the team, so you get like your tenth guy making as much as Connor McDavid, basically. Right, right, yeah. So, but and then football is just like I don't. There's so much like breakdowns with the contract, guaranteed money, non guaranteed money. Um, guys still making monster deals. But anyway, so Josh Norman signed, and um, like I said, I wasn't expecting this, but I personally, I'll, I, I guess I'll get my take on this first. I mean, I like this move. Um. I know that, you know, Josh Norman might not be as good of a cornerback football player as he once was back in his all pro days with the Carolina Panthers. 
Um, but that's, you know, kind of why they brought him in to begin with is that tie with the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Sean McDermott, obviously, he's brought a lot of former guys in from there. And I think Norman has recently in the past said, you know, a couple of years ago that he loves Brandon Bean as well. So it seemed like a good culture fit to begin with, which is what we've always talked about with the Bills and culture and finding the right guys. So it seems like to be a good fit in that aspect. And then as far as the playing, I think a lot of the knock on Josh Norman in his past career or in his past playing days is, you know, he only could play one side of the field. Well, when you have a guy on your team named Tredavious White, the other cornerback only needs to play one side of the field, first of all, to start off with. So if that's the only thing you can do, fine. We have the other best cornerback in the league that can, you know, be his little security blanket. Also, I think Josh Norman still has some gas left in the tank. I mean, I think that this guy, you know, he's been playing for the Redskins, right, the past couple I don't know about that. Well, let me give you my take here. I think, what, he's been playing for the Redskins the past couple of years. He... I mean, that's just not a great football team, obviously, to begin with. That's a bad ownership group. It's kind of like Sabres ownership where they just don't really know what's going on. Um, they're, they're just not good, and, and I don't know. It just wasn't a great fit for him, I feel like. I think that Norman uh, and the re- why, why I think he could still be a contributing factor here is I think he's a guy that has a chip on his shoulder. I think he wants to prove that he can still play. I think he's going to be put into a system in the Bills' defense that was already one of the best defenses to begin with. So you're not asking him to come in and be the star of this of this defensive group. Like you already have great players that he has to fit in with. Like I already said, he's playing opposite Trey Weiss. So you're not going to be matched up with the first wide receiver on the other team. I think this dude is going to come in. I think he wants to prove something. I think he likes the management team. Like I said before, he likes the culture. I think he's bought into the process. And that's that's why I think he's going to come in and be a good player. And, and, he, and he's proved it too, right? Only like three, four years ago is when he was an all-pro and he was known as the best cornerback in the league. He has a little bit of an attitude. I think he wants to prove to people that he can still play. And when you have the defensive core that the Bills have and you come into that, it makes it so much easier on you when you're playing for somewhere where you want to play. It was his choice that he went there. He didn't get traded. He decided to sign there. So that's why I think he still has some raw talent that he can kind of make a little bit of a comeback here. And, I don't know. I like the move, and if it doesn't work out, you still have Levi Wallace, who's been all right, and you give it a little, a little competitive, con- you know, competitiveness in, in training camp. So that's why I like it. I yeah, think he's I don't, on his shoulder, and I think he's just come to play and be a, be a solid player on that other end. Well, I mean, I like your enthusiasm, but I mean, when you say he's got a prove it deal, that's exactly what it is. It's a prove it deal. He's got a one year deal to see if he can still play. Um, I mean, I agree with what you're saying about having the chip on his shoulder and his attitude. Um, but I guess that's where I'm kind of nervous when you're bringing in a guy like this, I know how he talked about being, I know how he talked about McDermott, but the one thing that I was kind of shocked about is I know that he played for them in the past, but when they came to Buffalo, they kind of tore everything down and kind of brought in guys with a certain cultural fit. And to me, Josh Norman doesn't seem like any, you know, that cultural fit that he has on the defense that he built. He kind of brings more soft-spoken guys that are very hard workers um, that aren't the guys that you see in the media a lot of the time. I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I see what you're saying and I do agree with that, but at the same time, Trey White's very outspoken. Jordan Phillips. Yeah, I think outspoken. he's, I think, but I think Trey White's outspoken in a different way, right? Where he's Jordan Phillips is pretty loud mouth. Yeah, I don't know. He's just not the high, he's not the guy that if you ask, you know, the way I put it is if you ask some other fan from across the country if, if what they think about Jordan Phillips, they're probably not going to have a huge, I'd say, opinion about him. But if, you know, back in the day or even nowadays, right, if you ask the general NFL fan, what do you think about Josh Norman? They could definitely say like, I don't I don't really like him, you know, I think he's great. I think when you bring in a guy like Josh Norman, who, like you were talking about, you know, three or four years ago was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. So he has that chip on his shoulder. To me, it kind of feels like when the Jets bought back 
Darrell Revis after he went to the Pats and kind of had a really good year. I know that Norman does, is not the same where he's not coming off a good year like Revis was, but they're both the same kind of player, right? Who are, I'm not going to say they're not going to, he's not going to be competitive. He's going to be hungry. He's going to want to have that other slot, uh, side of the field locked down opposite Trey White. And I know what you're saying where he doesn't have to be the guy where he's got Trey on the other side, but he still wants to prove himself. But to me, he just, I just don't, doesn't think, I don't think he has a lot to, you know, left in the tank to give. I watched a lot of his games last year and maybe it was because he was asked to do more than he could actually do. But, I mean, he just looks like he's slower now. He can't cover the faster receivers, the younger receivers. He's older, right? He's got some wear and tear on him. The thing with me is I don't mind them – I don't mind the move of signing him. I don't think he's going to be as good as you think he's going to be probably. I think he's going to be – I don't know, I think he can be a, a liability, I'll say it. He's a big he gives up big plays as as he showed last year. But the thing I would like about it is because of his competitive competitiveness and his age where he has a lot of experience in the league, he can kind of co- come in maybe be like a more outspoken Frank Gore on the defensive side if we brought in another cornerback. I think we need to I think we if we still bring in, you know, maybe another guy through the draft or another free agent corner I think I'd like to move more, have some competition for the second corner spot, maybe have a, some sort of rotation where you do norm, you have Norman and another guy kind of split time, depending on the, you know, the down and distance and the, the game situation. But if you're going in with Josh Norman as your sole locked in cornerback too, without a guy really screaming down the back of him, trying to, you know, know that his job isn't safe or give George or giving Norman like a mentorship role. I think that that's not a, a solid option going forward. Okay, well, so I, I admit that, you know, I don't know how much tape you've actually watched or actually watched of him. I'll admit I haven't. You know, a, I watch a decent amount of tape. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, but, I, but I, yeah, I'll admit I haven't seen him, you know, the X's and O's watching his game tape. Is he slow? Is he fast? Does he still have what he had back in the day? Yeah, I, I don't know. The reason why I'm, I guess, a little bit more optimistic than you are is for, you know, a couple of points you brought up is, you know, maybe his attitude, whatever. I agree. I see what you're saying. He kind of, you know, has been maybe a little bit more outspoken in the past, but that's where I come in and I say, I trust beating McDermott at this point in my bills, you know, fandom over these past couple of years that they know what they're doing. I think, especially, you know, dealing with him in the past, I think that, and that's my next point is bringing him in for the one year contract only. I think that they kind of know what they're doing. They know what they're bringing in. They know that he has to prove it. They're only giving him that one-year deal. They know he has a little bit of age on his side. I'm trusting them that they have done their research, done their homework, and kind of talked to him enough where, you know, this is his choice, first of all. It wasn't a trade that he was forced into this. Um, I assume that they had conversations that, you know, what they expect of him coming in. So that's why I'm more optimistic about it. And I, I just think that, like you said, going into the season, if Josh Norman's your other corner, you're, you're not going to be too you know excited about it. The reason why I'm not too worried about it that way is because of all the points I made in the past where I think he still has some left in the tank, chip on the shoulder, Bean can you know control him, McDermott can control him, blah, blah, blah. But also because if you look at the Bills defense last year, if I was, I was, was going to ask myself, all right, take the Bills defense last year, go into this offseason, go into the next year, my top priority wouldn't have been cornerback. Yeah, we could have definitely used some help at that second cornerback position, but I would have much rather, you know, we still need linebacker with Lorenzo Alexander gone. We still need an edge rusher. We still need, you know, a D lineman with potentially uh, Jordan Phillips gone and now Jack Lawson's gone. So that's why I'm fine with it. I like it because – I think our defense was still very solid with Levi Wallace as that second corner. 
you can always improvement, obviously, for sure. But I would rather improve in other areas. So if you're going to get Josh Norman as that second corner, and if he can bring back the play that he brings as a six million dot six million a year guy at one year, then that could you know it could be an unbelievable move. So that's why I'm not you know if if that was like if that if we signed that type of player as our linebacker that we need to fill in or an edge rusher or a D lineman that we like really really need then I would be a little bit more concerned but because I don't think cornerback was too much of a high priority on the defense is why I was happy with it and hey give this guy a chance to maybe bring back his all pro years and have a sick you know one two t- punch with him and white so that's where I was coming from I definitely see your points with the attitude the maybe he is a little bit slower and all that but at the same time it don't think it was you know that huge of a deal to get another lockdown corner so that's why I like the move going forward to maybe bring back his game and, uh, I mean, prove what he can do. And, if, and, and, hey, if he has a sick year, I still don't know if you, you know, sign him again because, like you said, he's getting up there in age. But we'll try, you know, give it a chance, I guess. Yeah, I guess I hope you're right. Yeah. So, and then the next thing before we get uh, free agency, the, I mean, I guess it was official yesterday. But um, before that, we announced that we uh, extended Quinn Spain. Three-year deal worth $15 million. So, solidifying that old lineup. Um, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Quentin Spain. I thought he earned the contract. He played. I thought he played a good season for us last year. Was one of the stronger guys in the offensive line. Um, I, I'd like to see them bring back most of the you know the same guys as they had there last year. And I think he was a, you know one of the key members on kind of retooling, reshaping, revamping the offensive line uh, from when Josh Allen was a rookie. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have other too much else to say on this. I like the deal, and uh, I'm happy that we got Spain back. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would be, you know, completely content if we went into the, you know, next year with the same O line. I think that our O line was, you know, fine this year. I think it was actually pretty good. Yeah, they've had, you know, a couple lapses here and there. That's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, solidifying that group. I know that they're very uh, close as well together as a group, so that's always huge. Um, I think they also did extend Spencer Long, um, so he's kind of like a depth lineman, which is you know a good play by them as well. I think so. Just keeping that O line together, I think, was the most important part about this. And I think Spain, like you said, was one of our best assets at the at O line last year. Hopefully, we can. I don't know what's the deal with Naseki. Is he going to be a free agent and? Because I, yeah, I, I, I like, I like. Hopefully, we can bring him back. And yeah, he's getting up there in age too. I mean, the one thing that I would like to see happen is this: we probably need to draft a tackle sometime in this draft. And I'd like to see maybe a mid-round tackle pick. I'm not, I'm not set on Cody Ford being an NFL tackle, and we and some of these guys that we do have on the team right now are getting up there in age. So uh, I think you know it'd be a great time to. When you when it's not an immediate need to kind of spend maybe a mid to late round pick on a tackle, because you never have too many offensive linemen. You know that's that's my motto. Yeah, and especially this past year, we I mean the Bills were pretty lucky that I think Nasaki was kind of the only guy to get hurt pretty much throughout the whole you know throughout the whole season. That's you know that's pretty rare. So you're going to need depth at O line. I mean obviously Morse went down like for you know maybe half a game or so. Ford went down a little bit, but for the most part, I think the Bills were one of the most healthy offensive line let alone teams in the entire NFL so that's not going to you know continue to happen over the next few years definitely going to need depth but I'm definitely glad at the same time they could bring Spain back solidify that group up keep them together kind of form some you know chemistry with Allen moving forward with the young quarterback Um, and then also uh, I guess we can just move into more of the 
you know, free agency stuff that started. And thank God for this free agency because like we've been saying with this coronavirus stuff and no sports, at least there's something real to talk about in real time today with sports, not, you know, reminiscing on the past or something, but there was some real stuff to talk about today. And another thing with the Bills that happened was Shaq Lawson. Obviously, he was a free agent um, this upcoming year, and he ended up signing in uh, Miami with the Dolphins. So I think it was like a, what, a three-year, $30 million deal. So he got paid. He got his, he got his little payday going for him. Um, but he will not be a member of the Buffalo Bills next year. And I think at the end of the year last year, I, I don't know if I said on the podcast or just to you or just to dad or something, but I personally didn't want to you know, sign Shaq Lawson again. So I'm, I'm completely fine with this deal or you know, letting him go, I guess. Um, to me, Shaq Lawson was great for us this past year. You know, he was good, a good surprise, honestly, but he's kind of almost like, you know, he didn't really perform until this last year in his contract year. Who knows if he goes, you know, to Miami, gets paid now and just settles back into his old way. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about this. Yeah. I mean, I getting another guy, I guess we need, you know, like I said, we need edge guys. Right. And ends, but so, so my take in on it now is, Am I happy that we lost out on Shaq Lawson? No, but the way that the number that I saw you signed for, what was it, thirty million? I think you said right. Yeah, I think thirty million. Yeah. So you're paying you're paying Shaq Lawson ten million dollars a year. I think that's a lot of money to be pay, paying a guy who, like you said, he's had one good year out of five years in the league so far, and you consider that his good year, uh, what he had six and a half sacks last year, which is good, but. I don't think you pay a guy $10 million for doing that when especially he had some doozies of his seasons uh, a couple seasons ago. So, you know, like I said, I'm not, I'm not bummed out that we missed out on him. I would have liked to have him back, but not for that number. Um, Cause I think even the, my take, mate, my take on it is even if we got Shaq Lawson back for not 10 million for less than 10 million a year, I still think DN would be a need, right? Cause I don't hundred percent. I agree. Because I would not be satisfied with saying Shaq Lawson is my starting D end, especially because on the other side you have Jerry Hughes, which is he's getting very very old now. So losing out on Shaq Lawson only makes this D end need even more of a need. And I'd say maybe it lights a fire under like management's you know actually even a little more because if you have Shaq Lawson, he'll, maybe they fall back on that. But like you said, if they had Shaq Lawson, I'd still think it would be a need regardless. So I think. I think they knew this going forward because, I mean, being in, I, I don't know, I just trust being in McDermott a lot now. As, after, you know, I see, after seeing some moves where I've kind of maybe questioned in the past, and it seems like they've hit on a lot of these moves where I've questioned, unlike lateral, where maybe you question a move and then you end up being right about it, where being in McDermott, I think they've proven me wrong a lot. So I kind of trust them now, which is kind of crazy, but they kind of earned my trust over the last couple seasons. So I, I think they're smart enough where they know this now. And I would not be surprised if we see day one of the draft at 22, the Bills picking a defensive end. Cause I think McDermott and Bean, they love those kind of defensive players that maybe they've been just good players throughout college and they fall to that 20, the, the, the 20 to 30 range where he snagged Trey white, you know, I, I don't know. So those, I think they got a good eye for the defensive side of the ball, and I think 22 could be a great spot where they – there's a lot of high-profile guys on this on this board, right? There's a lot – there's three receivers that they could be saying that will go off the board before the Bills even have a shot at receiver. So I could see the, the you know, Beatham McDermott kind of sitting there waiting and snagging a gem at defensive end at 22 that could be a real stud, you know, to play with Tremaine Edmonds. And we could be looking at – 
a real, real tenacious front seven. Yeah, that would be nice. The one thing I'll say, I don't know if, like, I was talking to Dad about this the other day. Like, I, and like I said earlier, I think we need linebacker as well. Obviously, without you know Alexander gone, um, and then you know, obviously, everybody's been talking about we need some more offensive weapons. Um, the thing is, I think I would rather them, and I don't know, you know, you know, not really journalism guy over here, been looking up the free agents or anything like that. But I think I would rather them sign defensive guys. You know, linebacker especially, maybe can draft a DN, but I think I'd rather him sign uh, a DN or trade for one or something like that and, and draft an offensive guy. Uh, I just think that in the past it's, you know, shown and, and not necessarily even wide receiver because I think they need running back too. Like I'd rather them draft a running back, I think, maybe not at 22, but at some point and and then sign or get a get a defensive player out of free agency or trading but just because I think that it's so much easier for a transition on the offensive side of the ball from college to, to the pros, like you've seen it, you know, every year there's some rookie running backs that go in the first round or second round or like Singletary where they come in and they can translate their game right away, right off the jump, as opposed to defensive side of the ball with linebackers, especially like you look at Tremaine Edmonds, who looks like he's going to be a very promising linebacker, but it kind of took him his rookie year and his second year to get going a little bit to kind of fit into the NFL system. Um, so yeah, definitely need the end. I don't know where we're going to get it from. Maybe like you said, tr you know, trust the Bean McDermott process. If they can get a hidden gem at 22, that's going to kind of be a, that guy right away. That'd be awesome. Um, but you know, who knows? Cause like I said, I think we need some offensive talent as well. Obviously. I mean, dude, look at like TJ Watt. Like I think they could get a Like he was a guy that went late in the draft and I think he'd be the kind of guy that I could well, yeah, see. That's a, I mean, that's an absolute dream right there getting that he went like 30. that's what i'm that's what i'm saying though yeah yeah so i mean that happens i don't know how often but um i don't know we'll see the, the other thing i want to bring up real quick is i saw on twitter right before we recorded that i guess we're gonna let isaiah mckenzie walk um oh, i didn't i didn't see that i missed that yeah so it looks like he was an rfa and we're not gonna tender him Whatever that means, I guess that means we're just going to let him walk. So now he's going to be a free agent. Um, this is something that, you know, I I didn't necessarily like because you weren't going to have to pay him a lot. Like, it was going to be a very low-risk, you know, move to bring him back. And I thought he played pretty well last year. He was good. He was a good – I think they honestly need to get him involved more, like, in the, in the offensive game plan with those end-arounds. And, you know, a speed guy like that is so key that it was such a low-risk move to kind of bring him back, I feel like, but now he's not going to be on the team. So I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of <clears throat> I kind of see what you're saying. But to me, it kind of the – good, the good takeaway I have from it is that it's forcing Bina McDermott not to settle again, right, where they're not allowed to say that Isaiah McKenzie's taken up a wide receiver spot so he can't get, a you know, a new number one wide receiver on the team. So okay. I, I think – yeah, so, I, I mean, that's my thought process there is that they maybe have a couple guys that they're eyeing and that he's not really on the the, <clears throat> the radar right now, especially because we all know how much they like Andre Roberts and he takes up a wide receiver spot. So, um, yeah, the one thing I want to bring up, I don't know if you had one more thing after this. No, I, th I was going to ask you if you had anything else. <clears throat> is Stefan Diggs, right? I thought there's a lot of speculation that the Bills could be in on that trade that – um, I mean, to give the background here is on Monday, <clears throat> excuse me, Stefan Diggs uh, tweeted out, like, I need new beginnings or wait, something. Wait, did he get traded? <clears throat> he tweeted out saying, uh, he said something like very yeah, direct. Yeah, no, yeah, I saw that. He was like, he was like, time for new beginnings. And then someone responded right. to him saying, 
So like you, you say this all the time, but yeah. you never follow through. And then he said like, it's different this time. He responded to him saying that. Yeah. But there hasn't been anything since those tweets came out that Stefan Diggs has been traded. And right. there is no speculation on like, I don't see any tweets from any <clears throat> NFL beat reporter saying like rumor is on the street that he's talking to, the, the, the Vikings are talking to this team and this team and this team, and they're looking for this. So it's not even like you can piece anything together at this point. Um, That's so just my thoughts like Stefan Diggs. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, to me, I would love Stefan Diggs. What, what are your thoughts? Would you want the Bills to be the team that trades for him? I would like Stefan Diggs. I think he's a good – I think he's a great receiver. I, the problem with me here is, I guess, what your kind of problems with, with Josh Norman maybe is that, like, last year – and the year before, I think kind of in his career, I guess, but especially his past year, he's been, you know, well-known in the media that he was upset he wasn't getting the ball enough and complaining with, you know, on the Vikings and Kirk Cousins and a little bit of a complainer, which I don't know if, you know, how true that is or whatever, but I know that it's definitely an issue with him that he was pout Like, there was, like, scenes of him last year, like, pouting on the bench and things like that. As far as, like, on-talent football, like, wide receiver skills, I think he's a – would be sick like if he can kind of get it together mentally and if McDermott and Bean can get this guy on the train as well yeah I think he's a great asset I mean obviously we've been talking about a wide receiver they still need that one wide receiver whether they draft him trade a guy blah 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 as if he can pull it together and not pout on the sidelines and things like that 100% he I think he's kind of a stud yeah I mean the thing with me is <clears throat> I, I he's got to stay healthy I think is number one for me because he I don't know. He, he had he's had a lot of injury concerns over the past years. So. Yeah, he he was in. He gets injured. He's the, he's the kind of guy that gets dinged up a lot too, and he's got a hamstring issue. And he I hate that. Yeah, but I mean, when he's playing, man, he's he's been as good as anybody, I'd say. And he had a really good year last year. And I think he's the kind of guy where the to me he's a receiver where I don't think he's over the hill as much as like an AJ Green or an Amari Cooper. Even though I don't know, Mark Cooper, I think me and you disagree on this one. Where I'm not as high as him on as you are, um, but I think he. I, mean, I, I like Mark Cooper. I know that he doesn't necessarily want to go to Buffalo, so I'm kind of out on him. But I, as a player, yeah. But I think Diggs is the kind of guy where he would fit in well with the culture in Buffalo. Um, I know Stephon, that he's Stefan Diggs at Duffs. <laughs> <laughs> that rumor uh, last year. <laughs> yeah, but I, I know I know he's had these couple Twitter outbreaks where he's like, I'm starting over and everything. But I mean, he's not the type of guy that he's not like an OBJ, right? He's not like that kind of wide receiver when you think of a diva wide receiver. So that's why hopefully I think, not. I mean, hopefully not like AB wasn't that before either. His first couple of years in the Steelers. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not comparing him to AB. I'm just saying like, I don't know. Yeah, just I just don't, see, sidelines. I don't see how he goes to Buffalo and becomes that because of the, the guys that they have already there and the, and the coaching staff that they've, and the culture that is they've already established. So, I mean, I think Stefan Diggs would be a kind of receiver. If he stays healthy, he'd be, you know, be our immediate number one. And then we'd have a kind of a lethal one-two punch on the, on the back end there with John Brown and Cole Beasley. And I think we'd automatically be a lot better off than we were last year as far as weapons go. So um, I don't know what – like I said, I haven't seen anything as far as rumors go regarding him. So I don't know what the return would be as far as what are the Vikings looking back for. Uh, if I had to guess – you're going to have to give up at least a second-round draft pick, I'm guessing, and maybe a player for him. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. Diggs is going to be like the king of like old takes, old takes exposing himself for like the fifth time in a row. <laughs> this time he's like, no, it's different. Like there's just no rumors about him. <laughs> um, yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, no, from a straight talent perspective, I think, yeah, another weapon for sure. Him, Cole, him, Cole Beasley, John Brown. Yeah. I mean, lock me down for that. Um, but Anything, anything else on that front? I mean, the, the, the trade that obviously I think startled the most of us yesterday was DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for David Johnson, essentially. Maybe a couple picks were thrown in, but that was insane. Oh, dude, the number one piece in that was a second-round pick. But that was still insane. It was – yeah, but Houston – I think the second-round pick's better than David Johnson at this point. I know. David Johnson's that's pretty washed out. But, yeah. yeah, that's why the trade was great. Like – that's How do you not get a first-round pick for him at least? You know? Yeah, he's the best receiver in the league probably. Yeah. Yeah. So. so, I mean, I think it makes Arizona – that division, man, is going to be a gauntlet. When if, you know, but to me, though, I'm not sold on Arizona yet. I think they could easily fall flat like the Browns did last year. They're, all, they're the team now, right? There's always that team that everybody gets you know, on the hype train before that wasn't as good as they were going into this season theoretically, right? The are, they team the, are they on are paper. They? Are they that much on the hype train already, though? I feel like they still need to make some moves to be, like, Browns. Dude, a lot of people, like, are, like – see, I'm seeing, like, the Bleach Reports tweets of, like, saying, like, Kyler Murray, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, oh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Kenyon Drake. This offense is fire now. Like, I've seen – I've been seeing, like, those kind of posts. So, I mean, that – but that division is already tough with the Niners and the Rams and the Seahawks. And, yeah, no, I'm definitely not sold. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not sold on them, but, I mean, that, that division got a lot better. But, I mean, Houston, what are you doing? I mean, I don't understand. Houston, they got, got a problem. Clowny, they got rid of Clowney and Hopkins in, in a year, basically. And they still yeah. don't even have a first-round draft pick this year, which is crazy. I mean, that just shows how much of a mess they are in. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're to me, immediately – I don't know what they're going to do at wide receiver because wide receiver immediately becomes a need now. I mean, behind Hopkins, you got Will Fuller, who he can't even stay healthy for three games, let alone a full season, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what they're stills. Gonna... Yeah, and he's like a slot guy. He's not going to be your number one. So, I mean, to me, it's like they didn't get a first-round pick, and now they need a number one wide receiver. So I don't know what they're doing there. Their offensive line already isn't good. I don't see David Johnson being any better than he was last year on that team. So – uh, to me, it was just a mind-boggling move by the Texans, and that's yeah, why you I, don't have. That's why you don't have Bill O'Brien being your coach and your GM. Yeah, that's right. Just a fact. I mean, Houston. Houston's got a problem, and Houston goes from winning the wait, World wait, Series. Say that line again. What? <laughs> say that line again. Well, you didn't hear me the first time, so I want to make. Sure I did. That. I did hear it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> well, you got. <laughs> what I was gonna say is. Wait. What? What does Houston have? Houston's got a problem. <laughs> Astros, everybody's coming for their head. This might honestly, this coronavirus thing might be planted by the Astros just to delay this whole season, so they don't have to deal with getting beamed every at bat. And then you got Bill O'Brien trading away your best receiver. So Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> um, All right, I'm done. <laughs> um, but then anyway, last thing we I think we we glanced over it. You brought this to my attention earlier today. It was that Sam Reinhart tweet thing. You want to you want to talk about that? Sure. So what was it? You you sent it to me today? Oh, it was a tweet by uh Chad Dominics, uh who does like Sabres analytics. 
and he said, uh, "Well, no, it was it was by it was he quote tweeted. Sorry, he quote tweeted it, and it was yeah. by Evolving Hockey is the account who does like a lot of NHL analytics. Yes, um, and they had like a contracts proje- projections um, based uh, on a hundred percent analytics. Like this is the same right. account that a couple weeks ago they were doing." Um, they were tweeting out like their heart trophy favorites and they didn't, they didn't have Leon Dreisaitl on the top five. They had like JT Miller ahead of them. They had Elias Patterson ahead of him just because they, they do their stuff a hundred percent based on analytics. So you're not sure. looking at the eye test at all or anything. So then they tweeted this out. You go Yes. Yeah, so I don't know what, like how they get to this number, but it's their contract projections for a bunch of these guys that are going to be free agents this summer. And on the list, you have, like, Matt Barzell, Petrangelo, Reinhardt, Taylor Hall, Max Domi, Ryan Strom. So they're all kind of in the mid-20s to early 30s range. Um, and they're, you know, the high-profile guys. So it has Sam Reinhardt out of this list of really good players, I'd say, right? Like, these are a bunch of really good players. He is third on this list, making the third most predicted, like, cap hit for next year at – million dollars a year which is more than Skinner makes right I mean that's not to say that the Skinner contract doesn't look absolutely awful right now because I mean he's not having a good year but he would theoretically be making more than Taylor Hall he would be making more than Max Domi, Reinstrom, Tory Krug I mean given Tory Krug is older He'd be making more than Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I think is very, very good for uh, Columbus, and he's only 22, and he's a center. Um, And he'd be making almost as much as Matt Barzell, who some may say he has been in the heart conversation before, Um, and he's younger than Reinhardt. He'd only be making like less than a million dollars a year more than Sam Reinhardt. I'm not saying that... I don't want to sign Sam Reinhardt, but if you're telling me that we have to sign him for that, I don't want to sign Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, this this kind of t- I kind of gasped when I saw this list. Honestly, when you sent this to me, and I saw who it was from with the this evolving hockey, which I'm you know very admittedly not an analytics guy. So when I saw it came from them, I wasn't too surprised because of you know they probably did their you know statistics or whatever and came out with this number. But yeah, I agree. I mean, nine mil is too much for him. Uh, we talked about this a little bit ago. I said seven, seven and a half, and and I said that would be a little bit of an overpayment, which you, I guess, need to do a little bit. But if you're paying Sam Reinhardt nine mil, which for one, he's not worth that. For two, you're getting to a situation here like the Toronto Maple Leafs are in, where they're paying four, I think three or four of their forwards over nine or ten mil. You don't have any room to do anything else. That's why the Leafs are struggling on the back end. That's why they're struggling on their you know, depth forwards. When you have so much money put into three or four guys, especially on the front end, you don't have room to do anything else really at all. I mean, we already have Eichel taking up 10 mil, which he's worth. We have Skinner taking up 9 mil, which you know a lot of people debate. I, I don't mind that contract. I like it. But then Reinhardt, I don't think is near that list at all. But if, you have, if, you, if you're going to pay him that theoretically through this account and this tweet, you have 10, 9, and 9 right there through three guys. That's just too much to And you still got to pay out. Darlene. And you still got to pay Darlene. Next you still, year you got to pay Darlene. And you still need, you know, we've talked about it throughout this whole year. The Sabres have a lot of holes to fill. You still need another top, two more top six forwards to begin with. So if you're paying three guys, you know, 
like $28 million. Well, you got to pay Olafson. He's still on his entry-level deal, too. I mean, they've got a lot of guys here that they're going to have to pay. That... Right. It's just not enough money to go around. Like, just freaking – like, I get it. The cap's probably going to go up a little bit, but not enough to pay Sam Reinhardt nine mil. So, I, I mean, looking at that, that list and just their recent tweets about the Hart Trophy and just how much – I get it. Analytics matter a little bit. Maybe I don't – you know, maybe both you and I don't look into them enough, but you have to have the eye test as well. Definitely not. So, that was just staggering to me. I just wanted to bring that up and maybe get people's thoughts on that um, on Twitter and things like that. But that pretty much wraps everything else up. I think free agency – um, we, we cover everything with that. I mean, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully the bills can, they, they were pretty quiet today. So, or yesterday. So hopefully they, you know, make a little bit more of a splash. I think that people are maybe expecting them to be a little bit louder off the, off the gate here, but maybe, especially with all the money they have, that's why, but maybe they're just trying to, you know, make the right moves. And like both you and I said, you know, trust Bean and McDermott. That's, that's my motto going forward until they prove me that they're shit in the bed or something. I'm going to, I'm going to respect them and, and go with them but we'll keep an eye on that and then as we say every week the draft's coming up we'll be looking at that um and then you know i don't know how much sabers talk is going to be left with this whole thing on on pause so we might not we might have to be getting creative i know that uh i was actually going to suggest this to you i know i don't know if you saw it but msg is going to be starting to air old sabers games oh cool so I don't know if I don't know, maybe we'll watch those and do a little bit of like throwback breakdowns of the good old days or something like that. Maybe we can look forward to something like that. Um, but uh, anything else on your end before we wrap this up? I don't think so. All right. Well, I think that are, that does it for episode thirty-one. Then stay safe out there. Stay quarantined. Don't be spreading the virus. Let's cut this thing right now so we can get sports back. That's the main priority. Um, everybody have a good week, and then we'll see. We'll see you next week. Go Bills! Go Sabers! So he's asking me the key. Till you own your own, you can't be free. Till you own your own, you can't be me. How we still slaves in 2016. Keep the light, keep it bad coming. Every night, another bad coming. I ain't been asleep since 96. I ain't seen the back of my list. I've been speeding through life with no safety belt. One on one with the corner with no safety help. I put fun like Josh Norman. I ain't normal, nigga. Just a project, nigga. Out in Beverly Hills, California, nigga. That great talk. That's fun, nigga. Special cough talk here. All my niggas from the mud down there. All my niggas millionaires. We gon' take it there, I swear. You gon' think a nigga psychic. You ain't seen nothing like this. I should probably copyright this. I promise they ain't gon' like this. I got the keys, keys, keys. I got the keys.